after the resurrection on the road to Emmaus when the Lord was speaking to those two disciples. We read in verse 27 of Luke 24, And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. I can't help but wonder if he brought Joseph in this great message. There's not a greater type of Christ in all the Bible than Joseph. Somebody once said, Genesis is the seed plot of every doctrine in the New Testament. Every doctrine in the New Testament is illustrated in this book of Genesis, and I believe we have a beautiful, uh, what's the word, uh, declaring of that in this passage of scripture. Now, let me briefly give you the history of what led to this point. Joseph was his father's favorite son. His brothers betrayed him, sold him into Egypt. He worked 11 years for a man by the name of uh, Potiphar, and he excelled, did well. Potiphar's wife accused him of something he did not do. He was thrown into prison. While he was in prison, he interpreted the dreams of the butler and the baker accurately, and he said, remember me when you, get out of pri- when you get out of prison and you're restored. And the butler forgot him. In the meanwhile, Pharaoh has dreams. He dreams of seven skinny cows with their ribs sticking out, eating seven fat cows. And they remained just as skinny. And then he had another dream. He dreamed of seven full ears of corn and seven blasted, wind blasted of the east wind, ill-favored ears of corn, ate the seven fat ears of corn, and he woke up, and he was troubled. And that's when the butler remembered that Joseph interpreted those dreams, and he told Pharaoh about it, and Pharaoh sent for him, and Pharaoh gave him those dreams, and Joseph gave the interpretation of those dreams. He said, this is what God is about to do. I love the way he said that to Pharaoh. No apology. This is the living God, and this is what he's going to do. He said the seven fat cows and the seven fat ears of corn represent seven years of plenty. The seven skinny cows that eat the fat cows and the seven bad ears of corn that eat the good ears of corn represent seven years of famine. And those seven years of plenty will not be remembered because of the grievousness of the great famine that is going to take place. It's going to happen for sure. Now here's what you're to do. You're to, for those seven years of plenty, keep back 20% of the corn and get enough food for those seven years of famine and uh, find somebody wise to do this and 
Pharaoh said, well, who's as wise to do this as you are? And in the same day, Joseph went from being a prisoner to the most powerful man on earth. If you were going to eat, it was up to him. He was given the head position by Pharaoh. He was the prime minister of Egypt, and he's the one that oversaw these seven years of plenty. And what years those must have been. Spectacular years. Seven years of prosperity for everybody. Now let's look in verse 46 of chapter 41. And Joseph was 30 years old when he stood before Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And Joseph went out from the presence of Pharaoh and went throughout all the land of Egypt. And in the seven plenteous years, the earth brought forth by handfuls. And he gathered up all the food of the seven years which were in the land of Egypt and laid up the food in the cities. The food of the field, which was round about every city, laid he up in the same and Joseph gathered corn as the sand of the sea very much until he left numbering. It was without number. It was a whole lot more than the 20% that he thought of. It was a vast supply without a numerical value. And this speaks of what the Lord achieved when he went out from the presence of the Father. <laughs> Infinite merit. You can't put a number on it. Infinite grace, infinite mercy, infinite redemption. As great and grievous as my sin is, his grace is greater. You believe that? His grace is greater. Grace that's greater than all our sin. Infinite, immeasurable grace. Verse 53 of the same chapter. And the seven years of plenteousness that was in the land of Egypt were ended. Seven great years. I mean, everybody's having a good time. Everybody was enjoying life. Couldn't be better. And all of a sudden, it was over. The seven years had ended, verse 54, and the seven years of Darth began to come according as Joseph had said. He told them this was going to take place. How did he know? God told him. He was simply giving God's word. It happened just as he said. And do you know everything happens just as he says? I'm so thankful. And the Darth was in all lands. This was not just in Egypt. It was everywhere. You know, we think of the, we've called uh, what happened uh, a pandemic. This is a whole lot worse than the pandemic. We've known something about. This is where everybody was starving. There was no food in the land. That's how grievous this famine was. But in all the land of Egypt, there was bread. There was one place where you could have bread. One place. Egypt. Nowhere else. 
There was no food to be had anywhere else in all the world. But there was one place where there was food. Egypt. Verse 55, and this is through Joseph's wise management, but really we know better than that. It's through the Lord's mercy and through his bounty. That's why there was food in Egypt. But Joseph was the one who was used to gather up all this in the storehouses. Verse 55. And when all the land of Egypt was famished, you see that famine was in Egypt, the people cried to Pharaoh for bread. And Pharaoh said unto all the Egyptians, Go unto Joseph. What he saith to you, do. Now, all of God's blessing, all of God's grace, all of God's mercy, all of God's love, all of God's favor is in one place. The Lord Jesus Christ. Turn with me, hold your finger there, and turn with me to Gen or Ephesians chapter 1. Now what that lets me know is that I'm gonna have, if I'm going to have mercy, if I'm going to have grace, if I'm going to have God's favor, if I'm going to have God's love, I'm going to have to be in Christ because that's where all of God's favor is. It's in his Son, God will not speak to me or you or be spoken to by me or you apart from the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, God is holy. I mean, you're sinful. I must have Christ representing me. Now look here in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us. Not he's offered us blessings if we're willing to receive them. He hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. All of these spiritual blessings, and those are the saving blessings. Somebody says, well, I got a lot of money in the bank. Well, they may be a blessing, they may be a curse. Uh, material blessings are not necessarily spiritual blessings. Spiritual blessings are those in Christ. Now, here's what they are. Verse 4, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. Here's the first blessing, election. He hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him. Now there's a blessing. What a spiritual blessing to be holy and to be without blame, blameless before the living God. In love, there's a blessing, God's love. In love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, what a blessing to be predestinated. God is the God of absolute predestination. That's who he is. And he has adopted us, predestined 
to be his children. According to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted. Where? Where? In the beloved. All of God's blessing, all of God's favor is in Christ. Look in verse 7. In whom we have. Notice he doesn't say we have redemption. He says in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Now, just as there was food only in Egypt, the only place of survival, the only place of life was in Egypt. All of God's blessing, all of God's favor, all of God's grace is in the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's the way Paul stated in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32. Be ye kind. Tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. He didn't forgive you because you asked for forgiveness. He didn't forgive you because you demonstrated sufficient sorrow for your sin. He didn't forgive you because of your promises that you were going to become a better person. He forgave you for Christ's sake. That one singular reason. <clears throat> In Egypt, there was bread. Nowhere else was there bread. In Christ and nowhere else is there the grace of God. He is the grace of God. Of God. Now back to our text. In Egypt there was bread, verse 55. And when all the land of Egypt was famished, the people cried to Pharaoh for bread, and Pharaoh said unto all the Egyptians, Go unto Joseph. What he saith to you, do. Why are you crying to me? Go to Joseph. Now, these people were famished, hungry, and needy. And they go to Pharaoh, and they were going to the wrong place. He said, why are you looking at me? Go to Jesus. I want to say that as reverently as I can. When I use his name, go to Jesus. I despise how his name is used so flippantly. I want to use reverence and fear in using his name. But here is the word to me and you. Go to Jesus. Go to Jesus, the Son of God. Now, if I ever, and if you ever understand who God is and who we are, we will understand the only way we can come into God's presence is through him. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Do you understand that you can't come into God's presence apart from him bringing you into God's presence? Presence. Do you need grace? Go to Jesus. 
Do you need the forgiveness of sins? Go to Jesus. Do you need righteousness? Go to Jesus. Do you need mercy? Go to Jesus. Do you need acceptance? Go to Jesus. Do you need faith? Go to Jesus. If you can't come to him with faith, come to him for faith. Ask him to give it to you. Do you need repentance? Go to Jesus. He's exalted as a prince and savior for to give repentance to Israel. Even the forgiveness of sins. Do you need a new heart? Go to Jesus. Do you need the Holy Spirit? Go to Jesus. Do you need perseverance? Go to Jesus. Do you need understanding? Go to Jesus. Do you need renewal? Go to Jesus. That is the work. And we have this glorious promise. He is able to save them to the uttermost that come to God by him. That's the only way we come. And he said, him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. What he saith to you, You know, he said to the woman at the well, woman, believe me, what he saith to you do. He said, you believe in God, believe also in me. Whatever you believe about God, do you believe God's all powerful? You believe the same thing about me. Do you believe God is absolutely sovereign? You believe the same thing with regard to me. Whatsoever he saith to you, do. When he says, thy faith has saved thee, go in peace. Go in peace. Whatever he says to you, do. You know, there was a leper who came to him. Oh, I love this. There came a leper unto him saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And he said, I will be thou clean. Verse 56. And the famine was over all the face of the earth. A worldwide famine. And Joseph opened all the storehouses. Remember we read that it could no longer be numbered? You know what Joseph did at this time? He opened them up. You know, Christ said, I came not into the world to condemn the world, but the world through him might be saved. He opened up 
all the storehouses, the vast storehouses of his grace. And sold unto the Egyptians, and the famine waxed sore in the land of Egypt, and all countries came into Egypt to Joseph for to buy corn because the famine was so sore in all the lands. There was one place for food. Only one. Joseph. Verse 1 of chapter 42. Now when Jacob saw that there was corn in Egypt. You see that famine was in Canaan. Where Jacob was. And his other ten sons. And they were hungry. And they were in a bad way. And as far as he knew, Joseph was dead. He had no knowledge that his son was the prime minister of Egypt. He had no understanding that his son was the one you'd get bread for. But he heard that there was corn in Egypt. And you know that's what the preaching of the gospel proclaims? There's grace in Christ. There's corn in Egypt. There's food to be had. He heard or saw that there was corn in Egypt. Well, how did he see this? Well, he tells us in verse 2, Behold, I've heard that there's corn in Egypt. That's how he saw it. He heard somebody brought him this message. There's corn in Egypt. And so look what he says to his sons. Now when Jacob saw that there was corn in Egypt... Jacob said unto his sons, why do you look upon one another? What are you doing? Do you think you all can help each other? you think there's anything you can do to each other? If you stand here and just look at each other, we're all going to starve to death. Why are you looking on one another like that? It's an exercise in futility. Can bread come from any of you? There's only one place to find bread. Quit looking at each other. Don't look to yourself for anything. Have you and I ever learned to quit looking to other people? To quit looking within? To look to Christ only? Why are you looking on one another? It's not going to do you any good. You'll end up starving if that's all you do. Why look ye upon one another? He said, Behold, I've heard there's corn in Egypt. Get ye down thither. You know, the way up in the kingdom of heaven is always down. Get you down. When you've reached the bottom, you're closer to the truth if you go a little further down. Get ye down thither. And buy for us from thence that we may live and not die. Here's why we want you to go to get corn. That we may live and not die. That's simple, isn't it? That we may live and not die. Now, it's interesting in this passage of Scripture, there's something that has always occurred to me when I read this passage of Scripture and something I thought about. Jacob was rich, he was very wealthy. He had a lot of money. He had the resources to buy food. 
You know, I think it's interesting that the money he brought, if you go on reading in the story, you're going to find out Joseph wouldn't take it, would he? You see, that would destroy the time. He's not going to sell anybody anything. He's the giver. He doesn't have to sell. He gives, and he wouldn't take their money. But what if you were someone who didn't have any money? You didn't have any way of buying this corn. What about that? I wonder if there's somebody here thinking, I hear what you're saying, but I don't have anything. I don't have any money to get the corn. Well, I want you to turn with me to Isaiah chapter 55. Isaiah chapter 55. The Lord begins with this word, ho. Ho. And I have no doubt that that should be spoken loudly. I don't know how loud. But this is an intention getter. How merciful that the Lord says to me and you, ho, hold up, listen. To what's getting ready to be said. Ho! Everyone that thirsteth. Come ye to the waters. Now he's talking about spiritual thirst. You think of the beatitude. Blessed are they who hunger and thirst after righteousness. Now, if you're a believer, one thing you know about yourself, you don't have any righteousness in yourself. It doesn't come from you, but you hunger and thirst for righteousness. I mean it. Yeah, I'm glad it doesn't say how thirsty. Somebody says, well, I'm afraid I'm not thirsty enough. I'm sure you're not. Uh, We can just get that settled. But you do thirst. You want to be found in Christ. You want to have his righteousness. You know you can't produce a righteousness that God could accept, but you hunger and thirst after righteousness. The Lord says, any man thirst. Doesn't say how much thirst. Well, I thirst more. Sure you should, but it doesn't give a a, a quantity. It It just says, if any man thirst, let him come to me and drink. Whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. Ho, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters. Now he gives a qualification for this person who thirsts. Here's one qualification. You've got to fit this description. He that hath no money. You don't have a penny's worth of merit. You don't have anything to buy this glorious water with. You don't have a penny's worth of righteousness. You're bankrupt. You're broke. You're thirsty and you have nothing. Is that you? Is that me? Do I thirst for Christ? 
Do I have anything at all to recommend me? No, I don't. I do not have a wooden nickel that God would accept. Now, this is the person who's called upon to come and drink. The person who thirsts and he has nothing to recommend himself. He has no money. He has no merit. He has nothing that could recommend him to God. He has nothing. He that hath no money, come ye, buy and eat. Yea, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Come to the waters, but you can also have milk for nourishment. You can have wine that makes the heart glad. You can have all these things without your contribution, without your money, and without any price, you pay. Oh, he paid the price, but no price that you pay. He then asked this question in verse 2. Wherefore do you spend money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which satisfieth not? Now, The only thing that satisfies me is found in this statement. It is finished. Why would I look for satisfaction in anything else? Because there's no satisfaction. The only satisfaction I have is that when Christ said, it is finished, my salvation was accomplished. Signed, sealed, and delivered. Now, why go after anything that doesn't bring satisfaction? And that's all I'm satisfied with. That he did everything. And that I'm complete in him. He says, hearken unto me. And eat ye that which is good. And let your soul delight itself in fatness. Incline your ear. Listen to what he's saying. Come unto me. Hear and your soul shall live. Faith comes by hearing, doesn't it? And I, this is God speaking. I will make an everlasting covenant with you. Even the sure mercies of David. Now what are those sure mercies of David? Well, we don't have to speculate. Turn to 2 Samuel 23. 2 Samuel 23. Verse 1 says, Now these be the last words of David. David was dying. What if you knew you were going to die in 24 hours? David was dying. And all of the things that could have come through his mind when he was a 17-year-old boy, he said, is there not a cause? And he came at Goliath and slew him through the power of God and delivered all of Israel. He was the sweet psalmist of Israel. 
He was a man after God's own heart. God said that with regard to David. What a man David was. David the beloved. He could have been thinking of how greatly God had used him. Or he might have been thinking of what other things. He might have been thinking about that time with Bathsheba. And what it cost him. And how he murdered her um, husband in order to cover up himself. There are so many sinful, glaring inconsistencies he could have been thinking about when he was thinking about his last days. These be the last words of David. Well, here they are in verse 5. This is the sure mercies of David. Let me read this verse. Although my house be not so with God, yet hath he made with me an everlasting covenant. A covenant that was made before the foundation of the world. And a covenant that will never be ended. This is an eternal, everlasting covenant. And this covenant that he made with David, he made with every single believer. And this is what... Uh, the Lord is saying in Isaiah 55, listen to me, I'll make with you the sure mercies of David. The covenant I made with David. The sure mercies of David. Now he says, this covenant is ordered in all things and sure, for this is all my salvation and all my desire, although he make it not to grow. Now this everlasting covenant, that he made with David. He said, my house be not so with God. And you know what uh, he did. And God said, the sword will never leave your house. And he had nothing but trouble in his home till the day he died. Um, I think he's also referring to this house, his body, his sinful being. You know what he's saying. Although this house be not so with God, yet, in spite of that, he hath made with me an everlasting covenant ordered. There's always a divine order. Something. Is that me? There's always a divine order. God's grace comes before my life. Before there's faith, there's the gift of faith. Before there's life, there, there's him commanding life. There's a divine order to everything. And this covenant he made with me is ordered in all things and it's sure. And David says, this is all my salvation. Is this all your salvation? And all my desire. I don't want anything else. Now, let me say this. All I have is the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm plumb satisfied with that. I don't want anything else. I'm totally satisfied to be found in him. That's all my salvation and all my desire. Now, 
if you don't have any money, that's not going to prevent you from going to the greater Joseph, the Lord Jesus Christ, and receiving all things. There was one place where bread was to be had. There was one person to give it. There's one place where his grace is to be had. There's one person to give it, the Lord Jesus Christ. You go to him. And let me say this. Listen to this very carefully. There is no one who has ever come to him for mercy that he's ever turned away. You come to him, you will be received. Him that cometh to me, he said. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me. And him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. Come and welcome. Let's pray. Lord, how we thank you for your word. How we thank you for your son. How we thank you for the place of your grace and favor. Lord, I ask, we all ask, that we might be enabled to come to him and be saved by his grace. Lord, let us come thirsting and let us come with no money and to have all we need, all you require, all we want in thy Son. Bless this message for his sake. In his name we pray.